sick at the moment, and that's why my voice is a bit like this. But yeah, um, my guest today is the wonderful Katie McLeod. She is an actress slash slash comedian who's actually about to start doing stand-up. Um, she's used to doing a lot of one-woman shows and stuff, so we actually talk about the difference between doing one-woman show and doing actual stand-up set, as well as talking about what it's like being in an abusive relationship and what it was like for her taking a show to Edinburgh this year which was about an abusive relationship that she was in and also the sitcom Crazy Ex-Girlfriend so yeah please welcome Katie McLeod Hey, Katie McLeod, how's it going? <laughs> good, good. Uh, so how, did I actually pronounce your name right there? <laughs> no, you see me like little flash on my face. Yeah. It's McLeod. Like, McLeod. Yeah, McLeod. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Okay, so Katie McLeod. <laughs> That's it. You got it perfect. Do you know what? I don't mind me making myself look like an idiot in this thing, so <laughs> that's perfectly, yeah. That's fine. Don't worry. I, I get, I'm guessing you get that a lot, right? I do get that a lot. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and McLeod, that's another one. McLeod? Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> it's basically like, it's, I spelled it phonetic, I said it phonetically, yeah. and I think that's how everyone says it, but okay, McLeod, that is it. how we look. You've got it, yeah, like Highlander. Yeah, so like, before we get into uh, talking about yourself, like, I was looking at your Twitter the other day, and you retweet, thank you so much. Do you want No, no, thank you. Thank you. But, um, you retweeted something the other day, which did piss me off a little bit. And oh, like, no, no, what was that? No, 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 wait, hold on a second. It's um, that, it was the, the Jeremy Vine clip with, what's her name, the blonde oh, lady. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What the actual fuck is she talking about? I know, about? she was so awful. She, she? For those of you that haven't seen it, it's, um, I can't, I've forgotten the, the woman's name, no. both of them actually, but she, uh, there's a lady who came on the Jeremy Vine show was saying about how she'd been in a oppressive relationship and she'd been abused physically and mentally, right? And this blonde lady, who I think may be a regular contributor... Yeah, I think plan. she was, yeah. Yeah. She was saying that you can choose to be oppressed in <laughs> society. <laughs> she was just awful. She was. Awful. And the things that she was coming out with, like, um, saying that if it, the patriarchy doesn't exist, which yeah. it sort of it's really, does... It's really not helpful. But then I think you forget sometimes that we're, like, all a victim of the patriarchy. And it, and it isn't just, like, just because somebody's a woman, it doesn't mean that they're, like, they get it in the same yeah. way that other women do. But, yeah, that was just really painful. It actually reminded me of... Um... <laughs> so, yeah, like, uh, so my show is about that. My show is about um, emotional abuse and stuff. And the whole show is, is about that and kind of showing those red flags and, and make people understand it. And in Edinburgh, when I was collecting on my bucket, and it was, it was a really good show, actually went really well. Losing my mindfulness, Losing my for, mindfulness. Those, for those of you yeah. who haven't seen it. There <laughs> yeah, you I was just trying to talk about my show, but it did genuinely remind me of it. Because when I was doing my bucket collection, and a woman gave, I think she gave like quite generously, and I was like, oh, thanks, glad you enjoyed the show. And she said to me, because the whole thing is about my, um, well, my previous relationships, all inspired by true events, but it's kind of based on truth really yeah. and she just said to me while well, she was like giving me the money um, just make sure you choose a better boyfriend next time <laughs> and I was like wow you literally just didn't get didn't, any of it exactly like, like that was your choice to yeah, be in that relationship yeah. it was just it's, so I think sometimes you have to remember that no matter what messages you give to people and no matter what they um, are given they will still see it through their viewpoint I mean, some people yeah. just won't change and I guess if it's the first time you've seen something about a certain subject 
might not be the first time that you'll like get it yeah maybe the next time you see it and the next time but yeah it's just a bit of a like punch to the gut when even when they've seen your show for an hour they've mm. seen you do an emotional roller coaster yeah. they're still like oh it's but, your fault though isn't it but the thing is they're still on the outside looking in exactly. and that's unfortunately uh, I've not really I've not been in an abusive relationship that I'm aware of anyway but you can only expect you can only really know what it's like once you are actually in one or when you're looking back on one if that makes yeah, sense yeah that's it's kind of why I did the show though because I really wanted to show what it was like um, and more so for people who weren't in it because the thing is when you're in it you're essentially being brainwashed oh yeah so it doesn't matter what anyone will tell you you'd still say but they're great and I've just got to work harder to make them love me more and then they'll mm. be happy and of course you it's impossible to do that so I really made the show for um for like friends and family mm-hmm. and for anyone who's been in it and now realizes what happened and so they don't feel alone and they don't yeah. feel that it was their fault yeah um so yeah it's, it's very much for, for those for those people just so people get it a bit more but yeah it's tough mm. it's really difficult because yeah. people don't talk about it a lot so i guess it will take a while mm. for people to like, understand it i think they're talking about it more though than they used to which is yeah. good but at the same time more needs to be more needs to be done yeah um so moving on a little bit from that yeah of course. so you went from you're a my you your profession is a mindfulness coach well no so in my previous job so um there's like little bits and pieces of the narrative of the show that um well it's all kind of truthful in a sense yeah so i have worked in hr and um i did do some like mindfulness workshops when i worked in a different job mm-hmm. um and it was quite funny because basically my whole life is falling apart like it does in the show mm-hmm. so the flat i was um renting at the time was being sold my job's contract came to an end um, my relationship fell apart and all these things happening and I was like crying all the time and I was on the phone to my best mate um, on my lunch hour and just like crying um, as you do and I was like oh babe I've got to go because um, she's like what do you mean I thought you were on your lunch hour you've got time to chat and you know sort out your life kind of thing and I was like no I've got to do this mindfulness workshop <laughs> she was like um, I don't think that's a good idea for you at the moment I was like what do you mean I'm fine I'm fine um and then she said to me as well on the phone, she's like, you know, this is material, right? And I was yeah. like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've got to go. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> and then like went and did this mindfulness workshop. Um, but yeah, I think that's the thing as well. As a, a lot of the time with women, when, when things are at their worst, mm. you're still trying to kind of pretend that everything's fine. Yeah. That you're really happy. Yeah. And that you can cope. And obviously you can't. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's also quite similar for men as well in that we just don't talk about yes, our feelings which yeah completely then can i'm not going to put myself into your ex-partner's shoes or whatever but like i'm potentially guessing that he had a lot of shitty demons that he hadn't dealt with yeah. oh shit <laughs> we're outside in a coffee shop <laughs> and i nearly just the destroyed and, broken. and I, there is no illusion with this thing there's absolutely none that's good that's like, healthy the, re- the reason i kind of do this the way I do is I want it to be like someone listening in on a conversation of course yeah so and I think when you have a massive studio and there's like silence apart from the pe- the two people talking that's yeah. good but it's not how real life is no and then you get like that weird dead sound yeah yeah exactly but as I was saying I've, he potentially had some other demons that he hadn't dealt with yeah and he, that manifested itself in the relationship which is fucking shitty 
Yeah, so it was quite specific in terms of the fact that because he was a. Um, Do you mind us talking about this? Oh God, no! The whole show's about it. So it's okay. about um, he was emotionally abusive, uh, which ah. is something that um, basically people who are who've got narcissistic personality disorder—that's um, how they treat people—and mm. a lot of it is a lot of crossover with being uh, psychopaths. A lot of it's about like lack of empathy mm. um, and about using people um, for what you can kind of get out of them. So it's quite a specific type of relationship dynamic yeah. and that's why I wanted to write about it because a lot of people when I came out of the relationship might be like oh you just had a bad breakup but it's not because it's actually like psychological financial and emotional abuse which is quite mm. different from like yeah. other relationships that just fall apart for like you know lots of other reasons so yeah it's a really complicated subject mm. which is why I was like I know I'll write a show about it yeah fuck why not um, on that note how did you get into comedy um well, I went to drama school like a million years ago. Um, Classic. <laughs> I, so did yeah. I. <laughs> yeah, so I did that and then I, I think it was just really, I don't know, at the time I wasn't that confident. Um, it was difficult living in London and like going to auditions and paying the bills and stuff. Mm. So then I moved back home, like my family home in Gloucester. And then that's where I met my um, narcissistic ex-partner who I was with for like 10 years. Um, so when that ended and my whole life kind of fell apart, um, my brother very kindly said, oh, you can come and live with me and your sister in London. So that's what I do now. And and I knew at the time, like, what I was going through. I wanted to, like, watch films about it, read plays about it, just read up on it. And there was nothing. Really? Like, there's not really a lot about emotional abuse um, or narcissism or anything like that. And people always say to you when you're an actor, you know, write your own stuff write what you know and I'd lived quite what I thought was a sheltered life and nothing bad had ever happened to me and then I was like oh whoops a daisy mm. I've been emotionally abused for 10 mm. years because you don't know when you're in it because you're basically being brainwashed so I was yeah. like oh okay so I'll write a show about it and at first I was going to write like all these really serious monologues for all these women that had all these terrible experiences yeah. and then I started writing it and every time it just turned out like there was just comedy in it like mm. I think it's because it's the way I cope with things when they go wrong. I always like make jokes about them. Standard. Yeah, yeah. So it was like the the kind of um, the style of it just like emerged, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I suppose it's the same as when you write stand up. You, oh, yeah. you get your like style from just how things come out. So mm. yeah, it just turned into like a a comedy. And as well, when I used to do mindfulness workshops, although I think I'm quite a fun person, I do take things quite seriously. Yeah. You know, like as well, when you're at drama school and you've got to do like exercises, you take them seriously. And when other people are like sniggering at stuff, I'm mm. like, why is this funny? Mm -hmm. Come on, everyone, let's look at the raisin and feel the raisin and smell the raisin. So all that stuff <laughs> in the show, I do completely like I would yeah. normally in a mindfulness workshop. Um, but yeah, so the comedy just kind of came out of the situation, mm. I would say. Um, and now I've kind of realised I really like comedy. Yeah. Um, and it's fun. So yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. Mm. That makes sense. So. What kind of techniques do you? So what you kind of do is like one woman stuff instead of yeah. instead of stand instead of straight up stand up. Yeah. But I'm guessing there's there's sort of similar there are similarities between that because a stand up comedian going up and saying something from their life saying a story about their life is essentially a one person show for yeah. like five to twenty minutes. Yeah. What do you think the difference is between? Because what do you think the key differences are between one and one person show and a stand-up comedian set? Because I'm, I honestly, I honestly don't know. Like yeah, that's I mean, what I wanted when I wrote the show, what I really wanted to do is I didn't want to do um, what happens a lot in solo shows, which works for some people beautifully, but I couldn't yeah. get my head around it. Is when you have like first-person narrative. So when you do a lot of 
when I met him, I did this, and oh, you're geez. constantly removed from the action. Yeah. Whereas I wanted to write something that was in real time, so that's why I did a mindfulness workshop, because I'm talking to you in the moment, if you know what I mean. So it's happening now, it's not me retelling a story. Mm. So I think that was that's one of the main differences that I've set to create like a narrative arc and subplots but then I guess saying that you still get that in stand-up because you get like callbacks and stuff yeah so I've actually just started a stand-up course which one are you doing <laughs> I do Logan Murray oh <laughs> good choice yes lots of people recommended it so I was like I can't not do it every stand-up I asked yeah um, recommended him so yeah I'm kind of figuring out how to do that and how to bridge that gap between acting and doing stand-up because yeah. I've only done like two weeks so I don't really know whether I'm going to do like storytelling or character comedy mm -hmm. or just like all the stupid things that happen to me kind mm. of stories um, but yeah it's it's fun mm. but it's quite scary it is like people kind of shit on comedy courses but yeah I did one as well I did oh, one great. as well I did the Kate Smurfweight one which she takes a lot from the yeah, logo she takes a lot from the fun yeah she's brilliant um but she admits herself that she's because she's done that she did the Logan Murray course to get her started so right. a lot of the stuff that she learned she is from the Logan Murray thing Logan yeah. Murray one as well and he writes a fucking amazing book doesn't he let's be honest yeah yeah I've got the book the book's brilliant um but yeah um oh, I forgot my train of thought like it's about they're good to get you started yeah but at the end of the day what I found is there's in whatever you learn on the course is nothing compared to just getting up there and being in front of an audience. Oh, it's so scary. Have you, have you done it? Have you? No. So ah. I actually had a friend message me the other day saying she knew about um, a comedy night and they were booking acts. So I was, and that's not till like the 25th of October. So I was like, yes, I'm going to definitely say yes to that, and then it would make me do it. But I am. Which one is it? Which one is it? Oh, I can't remember. Um, it was just literally a friend of a friend she just mentioned it so I just said yes to it but um yeah it's weird because I shouldn't really be nervous with it considering I did like every night in Edinburgh on my own show but, uh, written. <laughs> but, it's, a, but it's a different ball game isn't it because yeah. you're kind of that was Kate McLeod's sort of the actress yeah or the comedic actress yeah you're now introducing yourself as Katie McLeod the comedian yeah and I feel very much like what, what I want to do on stage is similar to what I do in the show is very like authentic and genuine I don't want to do anything that's like I'm not going to do any like joke jokes if no. you know what I mean yeah, oh yeah. very like honest and um, yeah so, so I don't so it will be quite exposing yeah but in a fun way oh god yeah that's, <laughs> yeah really fun honestly that's the best from well there's many times I stand up by and she enjoys I'm kind of but well, I I consume it so often mm. but like yeah I think storytelling and when you actually see a little bit behind the cur behind the curtain yeah exactly that's when I find it that's when I find it most investing yeah that's what I want to do because I like comedy that like means something I mean it's great to like sit and laugh for an hour that's great but when you when it doesn't really say anything I think yeah. it's got such power to say things like about you know the human condition and, a, and about loads of stuff so I think you might as well use it but I don't really know how to do that at the moment do you know what I'll do I'll send you so I'll send you some Facebook in, some Facebook um, pages of some really friendly nights that you can book oh, onto oh cool yeah. that'd be great that'd is be there great. some I mean, there are some really shitty ones in London, but there are some yeah. absolutely amazing and wonderful ones that are friendly. Oh, yeah. really? Not just friendly, because like a crowd can be mm. doesn't matter. It depends on the crowd, but 
it's just generally a good night and you'll learn a lot from these nights yeah I think it's weird because when I did my show I literally did a scratch night mm. so um, I don't know if you know about scratch nights in theatre no, yeah, I forget when you're not talking to people that are like obsessed with theatre so scratch nights a bit like an open mic mm-hmm. so you but there's a little bit more prep so you do like 10 minutes of whatever your show is and then you show it and then a lot of the time they have feedback so mm-hmm. I did one really good one at the cockpit um, where the audience give you feedback and I prepared the 10 minutes and I did it and it actually went really well and I didn't really get a lot of feedback so mm-hmm. I was like oh and then I just went away and I wrote like the, like the 40 extra minutes of the show mm-hmm. and then I performed it one time and then I went to a festival with it so I'm not very good at doing that bit in between mm-hmm. where you like do work in progress and figure it out with the audience because I guess that's a lot of stand up isn't it yeah it is it's a lot of taking things taking something to the stage or taking an idea thinking of an idea writing it out yeah and then just doing it oh yeah it's terrifying the first time you do it but once you do it I found that you just can't really stop okay just gotta do it what I find quite difficult is not constantly doing new material every time I go up oh really yeah so just working on a five minutes like constantly until it's ready and then moving on to another five minutes and then trying to work that okay. into a ten minute slot. So I've just got to get used to it that that's part of like the form. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've only been doing it a year and a bit so like oh, this really? is, yeah. oh, wow. <laughs> like a year oh. one year a year and five months but yeah. So what did you do before then? What did I do before? Oh I still have a part time I still have a full time job. Yeah. I work in a I work in a school as a learning and behaviour oh, mentor. Oh okay cool. So I work with kids with social and behavioural needs and it's honestly the best job yeah, ever and it kind of the hours complement the hours kind of complement oh, themselves you're doing late nights and stuff oh yeah like that is so were you performing before though were you doing any kind of like performance no, no? I mean, I mean, well obviously I did school plays and stuff yeah and I did drama school on a Sunday, um, but re- and I played violin for from about five years old to about fifteen. Oh, okay. But honestly, nothing. Ma- honestly, nothing major. Like I did actually I tell you like um, through the drama school I did a I managed to do a short uh, a short film. Cool. Which yeah. no one can ever find. Which is, <laughs> <laughs> so you like, like that fingers crossed I was like no it was, re- it was a really weird ex- it's a really weird and cool experience I was like 16 years old because yeah. I was part of the drama agency as it were for like oh, okay. a month or something like that and they sent me to they said oh, no, do you want to do the- there's someone who's looking to do a short film to um, to uh, teen- with two teenagers would you like to do it I was like oh, yeah sure 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 so I got sent to some dodgy flat in Bow oh god yeah I've been terrified <laughs> in, no, in, in Ballam yeah same in Ballam yeah and it was it was he turned out to be a really cool guy and um, he offered me some water and, some, and something like that I was like no I'm alright I've got my own bottle because you know it's can't be too careful oh God. and then the other actor, it's like the beginning of a horror film it does film. doesn't it yeah <laughs> and I'd be I'm, having a nervous breakdown and because of my complexion I'd have died first <laughs> oh God um, but the other actor came in and he was also part of the agency um, oh right, but, uh, right. Diff- so you but, thought at least we'll both die but yeah, yeah exactly oh. but, uh, yeah. I'll have company yeah <laughs> um, and it was a and the short film was about two people playing vi- playing a video game right and 
it was sort of uh, some green screen. It was, and you know, it was That's a real. Turn. We got to sort of improv a little bit, and I was making the director and the other actor laugh a lot. So oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The other actor broke broke character quite a few oh, really? times. I was like, okay. so unprofessional. Oh my god. Yeah. I was like, yeah. At the the whole scripting thing isn't for me, but yeah, that's. The only fi- that's really the only performance that I've okay. done but I think I've taken yeah of a, course I think I've taken a lot from doing drama school yeah and you know and being in classes with kids because that is still a performance yeah let's be honest yeah, definitely I think with um, with my show not so much this year in Edinburgh but the year before well I suppose both years um, at the beginning of the show because I run it like a mindfulness workshop yeah. and just getting the audience in and obviously because it's um, free fringe there's lots of things you have to do yourself and just getting the audience in I mm. had to do like a lot of back and forth yeah. with them and a lot of like improv it was essentially like crowd work yeah. in a way and from doing that it kind of implanted it into my head about stand-up and then a few people said you know it's kind of a bit crossovery with stand-up yeah. and you know and you just have it like a little seed in your head for years people saying oh don't you do stand-up oh don't yeah stand-up. and then I thought oh let's just do it yeah see that, what happens. that was kind of my thought process as well from about um 18 to 20 uh, pretty much about 27 when I started doing it yeah because I just oh there's something in the back of my mind and I was like ah oh, do you know what? that's what other people but then I saw yeah you think that yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. so silly but then I watched um, what was it I watched Russell Brand's doing Life Live yeah um, his hour and I was about that's about 16, 17 when I watched that I was like oh shit he's just talking to people mm. that's Essentially, yeah. all it is. I mean, I didn't get the mechanics of it really, but he was just talking to people. Yeah. Obviously, and I know there's a lot more mechanics that go into it. But that's the thing, isn't it, with really like professional stand-ups, is mm. they make it look just effortless. Yeah. And that's what I'd love to do. Get to that point where it mm. just feels really casual. Yeah. Oh, I, remember- I don't know. I don't know whether I could even <laughs> look casual. <laughs> I'm like the most overthinking person. Yeah. But as long as you're genuinely as long as the audience know that you're overthinking yes then that's yeah. kind of you being yourself that's and kind me. of being casual okay right if casual that, anxiety yeah yeah that's it we, oh, man, do you know we all have we all get anxious before a game and it's just I yeah the difference is me as i literally have like no filter so all my emotions are like as soon as i have them i just put them out there in the world Good. whereas other people can like keep them under wraps but I'm like no here are all my emotions good good that's what that's that's <laughs> what good? Mm, I don't know. for stand-up and for yeah. writing stand-up I'd say that's good like, oh, okay even Great. if like even if you're not writing a stand-up set I just suggest yeah. like writing something every single day like how you're feeling yeah because then something can come out of that whether it be another woman show or a stand-up yeah. set I started doing. Um, have you read uh, the Artist's Way? No, what is it's who? really good. It's um, so it's basically. I can't remember the woman that wrote it. Name. Anyway, so it's just. Not really, important. It's really, <laughs> whatever. Google it. Um, <laughs> so it's just really good for anyone doing anything creative. It's kind of like a workbook as well. Yeah. But one of the main things uh, she talks about is the uh, morning pages. Yeah. So it's basically three page sides of A4 every day, and you just write. You don't even have to, you shouldn't be thinking about it and planning it and even if you can't think of anything to write you just write i can't think of anything to write and if every day you do those three pages it just gets out all the like rubbish from your head 
and then you can write or sometimes if you go back and look at them she says not to look at them at first but yeah. you go back and look at them after like six months there'll suddenly be stuff in there that you're like oh wow that's really interesting so mm. yeah I try and do that every day which mm. is um, which is good but yeah you don't realise that you're having ideas no you? you just gotta of course not keep writing stuff but there's something that kind of I think there's something that kind of does happen when you are in the position that we're in like the frontal lobe of your brain kind of just occasionally opens up and it goes yeah. ah here you go this is what this is what you're thinking yeah put this down put this down put this down and it's always when you're not trying to think of anything oh yeah yeah it's so That's annoying so the minute you sit down you're like right I'm going to think of a way that I can and it just never works yeah. It's always when you're like in the shower or something, you're like, shit, that's what it should be. And then you've yeah. got to get it down immediately. Yes. Because otherwise it's it. gone. Yeah. Have you had that 2 a.m. wake up? Yeah. Yeah. Where you have to like note something on your phone, otherwise yeah. you just cannot get to sleep. I was even talking about that today, actually, when I was at work. I was saying to someone how I'd had an idea. And she was like, oh, you're going to write it down? I said, oh, no, because it's quite a big, it's quite a big idea about this character I'm thinking about. And she's like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe you should. And I was like, yeah. Like, yeah, actually. And she's like, why don't you do that now? And I was like, yeah. Because <laughs> you get so convinced that your brain works. Yeah, but it doesn't. No. It really, really doesn't. It works for like a split second, but then goes back yeah. to sleep again. <laughs> how did you find this year's Edinburgh? Well. Well, how do you find Edinburgh as a concept? Um, I had quite a specific issue in that the room I had um, was quite a lot smaller than I expected. Okay. So that was kind of my main challenge with it. Um, and I had to change an awful lot about my show just because my show is really about getting the audience's empathy yeah. for my character and really feeling for her. And usually that's a given because I'm just a singular figure on a stage. But because I was very close to them, ah. I think they struggled. Yeah, they really struggled to feel empathy for me. Um, which was difficult because that's always, you know, like things that you've got for free and you're forced to think, well, I can do that easy. That's yeah. the most natural thing. So I had to kind of like literally adjust every element of the show. And then it was really hot. So I had to like make my own air conditioning. Oh, God. Have an ice bucket and a fan. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, Whereabouts, yeah. like, if you don't mind me asking. So what? I was at Cabaret Voltaire. Ah, Cabaret Voltaire. I was in the cinema room. Okay. Yeah, which is just. I think it's just really for stand-up, that room. Yeah. Um, but the actual staff at Cabaret Voltaire were just phenomenal. Yeah. And they, like, were so nice to me. Um, and, yeah, everyone on the free fringe was great. It was just, you know, and it's just not the right room. Yeah. Um, because it's the room. It's kind of everything. It's very yeah. affecting. And, I, yeah, I did, was kind of like, can I actually do this or am I going to quit? And I was like, well, I'm not somebody that quits. So I just had to genuinely be zen about it which yeah. I've never been zen about anything in my life and I was like this <laughs> like you're doing a show about mindfulness I know, I know. my zen. show is about mindfulness and I can't be zen oh, I, was like, I was literally like well you can't change the room the room is the room and I because I did about four shows and they were really difficult but I was mm. like look I have to find a way to enjoy it because mm. like life is about enjoyment and otherwise it's going to be it felt like a self-inflicted prison sentence like yeah. I was doing it every day Yeah. so I just tweaked little bits I really tried to find more meaning in the lines, even though I'd written the lines myself. Yeah. I was like, there's more in there. I just tried to bring them to me because the bigger I was, the more they kind of pulled back. Yeah. So I had to make my character a lot more empathetic, a lot more vulnerable. And it kind of worked. It did work eventually. Yeah. But it was kind of on a knife edge. I had to work so hard to make the show kind of sing. Mm. Um, 
but yeah so that was my real challenge in Edinburgh and as well I think it's really hard going up on your own oh yeah it's the second year I've done it and it's just it's a lot for my mental health because I'm a real extrovert so I like come alive when I'm around people when I'm on my own I get a bit like Ugh. yeah I just want to sit on the bed and stare for hours yeah isn't very good no but Edinburgh can be I I had a great time oh good <laughs> but good for you but like I had to make myself have a great I had to mm. really make myself have a great time yeah like I was um, we I went up with three people I went up with two other comics oh, Duffy amazing. Connors and, Char- and Charlene Jahan two great people um, we did, did you stay in the same place oh no no I didn't okay. those, those two did and I decided to get a place by myself out of the, out of the city oh, okay. out of the city yeah. because I just thought to myself right you even though you're a sociable person and you're a semi-extrovert you need to have your own space. Right, yeah, that is a different thing, yeah. And there is no greater feeling than walking away from Edinburgh after an after after the after yeah. performance. Like knowing that you don't have to be a part of it. Yeah. Because I was in Morningside, and it was, uh, it was like a half an hour walk or something. Oh, same. And that was actually quite good for me. Yeah. Just walking just gets my brain kind of processing things. And even when you're not thinking about it, you're just kind of like figuring stuff out yeah but yeah I did miss that kind of I feel like everyone's in their own little community in Edinburgh and if yeah. you're not in that it's really like alienating and difficult yeah I kind of went up thinking I kind of went up with that idea that that would be what it was anyway so when I experienced that like place and I was like I wasn't too bothered about it I was yeah. just like all right everyone's here for everyone's here to work yeah. And in the at the end of the day, that's what we're here for. We paid. Oh God, gotcha. uh, We paid money to get. We paid money to get up there. Yeah, yeah. We want our ultimate goal is to get to recuperate some of the money that we spent yeah. on the show. Forget accommodations. We are never making that money back. Yeah. Let's be honest. But yeah, um, it's hard. It is hard. Um, yeah, I, I did enjoy it. It was just that the. If I'd have had a different venue, so. I think it would have been. But then you know, you never know. Then yeah. there might have been a different problem with something yeah. else. I think um, there's. Yeah, we had a dish. We had the venue staff like you. Uh, we were at Dropkick Murphys, and the venue staff, amazing. Oh yeah, I went there for a show. In the, were you in the main bit by the bar? Or that's 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 room? the that's the only bit. Oh, is it? I yeah. don't know because I literally went there. For, yeah. Uh, who did you go see? Um, Robot Wars. Robot Wars. Yes. Elliot, how Elliot Van Gogh. Yeah, he was like, great. Like, uh, he was really nice. Was you on the show or did you? No, I just went to see it. It was really weird because I I met him because he was at my venue as well. Yeah. And I and I met him and then randomly I had like a slot to fill and I was like I need to see something so I just went into Dropkick Murphys and I was like oh cool yeah um, I know amazing yeah I've been on I was on the show about three times oh no way and. Honestly, it's the most insane. It he's was the so most. Fun. He's brilliant. Like it was the most insane, strange, nerve-wracking, fun experience I yeah. think I've ever had, and I, I just loved it. <laughs> but I think the worst thing for me was um, we had about seven out of twenty-five shows. We had seventeen that went well, right? Okay. Of our of our twenty-five show run. Wow, I don't so, know how many of mine went. I yeah, I was quite. I had to actually. Because of my mental health, I had to actually count how oh, many okay. actually That's went. That's quite interesting. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah, because I think I came. I think there was one point where we had a really bad show, and I had to go. I went home and I was like, right, 
Really? Okay. How many have we actually? How many surgeries have we done? So I counted all the surgeries we've done to that point, and I was just like, okay, out of these shows, how many have gone well? Right. And over half did. I was like, right, we did all right. Yeah. And that, but that is so hard it's to do. It's really hard. But because we, um, Elliot, Elliot's show followed our show, right? Yeah. So oh, okay. A couple of times when I was on the show, I had already bombed in that room. <laughs> oh my god, that is really difficult. Oh yeah. Yeah. And some of the same audience members oh, had no, stayed. Oh god. yeah. That's not good. Yeah, I don't know how you did that. Well, the thing is, you got to. It was one of those. It's one of those rooms where like it makes you. It's a hard. It's such a big room. It's such a big room, and it's so scattered. You have to become better. Like I went up with 20 minutes. I rewrote everything after like the first, after the um, after like the fifth show, and I came down. I came back with 10 minutes. But oh, so you went up to Edinburgh with 20 minutes. 20 minutes, and then yeah. You rewrote it. I rewrote my 20 minutes, yeah, Jeez. because I realised that the Dropkick Murphys audience aren't yeah, yeah, typically yeah. an Edinburgh audience, if that makes sense. No, they're really not. No. When I was there, there was this group. They drove me insane. I was quite near the front. And there was this group of guys kind of in the middle. It's probably about maybe seven of them. I'm not sure where they were from. I can't remember now, but they were just really vocal. Just yeah. really rude. Like, yeah. And I just kept like looking at them like, if I could have laser beams in yeah. my eyes, I'd have just killed them. They were so irritating. And they just kept chatting and chatting and chatting. And then I think somebody like tried to engage them. Yeah. But you could tell all the comics had to really like invest in yeah. making sure that they weren't constantly talking. So yeah, I can see how difficult that room would be. But at the, at the same time, it got to a point where I was thinking, okay, we are invading on these people's spaces. It yeah. is their local. If they just gone for a drink. Yeah, and they thought it's into comedy. That must be difficult. But yeah. do you reckon you'll do Edinburgh again? Yeah, I'd like to go with a stand-up show next year. Go for it. I thought, yeah, I didn't realise how adventurous this is, but I was thinking I just want to like write an hour for next year but is that maybe insane maybe I don't know if it's insane <laughs> my, that means yes my advice would, my advice would be yeah go up with at least one at yeah. least do a split bill yeah like that's the the advice that um, uh, on, um John Pendle John uh, interviewed him when I was in Edinburgh right okay and the advice that he gave me was wait when you're doing stand-up wait for as long as possible to do your first hour oh really yeah because I feel like I just want to get going with it but maybe that's not the best instinct it depends on what it it obviously depends on the person but for me I like spreading the workload about a little bit as well because remember you've got like as you've experienced like I like putting lots of unnecessary pressure on myself ah, ah. (laughs) and then crumbling under it uh, yeah, who knows? Do you know, I'd say go for it. Yeah. See how you feel. Well, see how you feel in like a couple of months time. But like, I'd yeah. say honestly, like whatever you feel like you're ready for, go yeah. for it. I mean, I haven't done any so far. <laughs> so, like zero to a whole hour is quite funny. But the fact that you're setting yourself that goal is really yeah. good. Like yeah. that's yeah to make to because technically you've already done an hour show like as yeah it just does feel very different stand-ups doing like a narrative but um i'm sure it'd be fine yeah. i think that's kind of how i wrote my show though i kept telling everyone i'm gonna write a show so yeah. i have to do that i have to kind of tell people and then i like trap myself yeah 
so that then people are like, how's it going? And then you have to write something because yeah. you know they're going to ask you. Oh, yeah. So that's what I've done. I've been like, yeah, I'm going to write a sound show for next year. So now people just keep asking me how it's going. How have you found it post-Edinburgh? Coping with post-Edinburgh um, Yeah, weird. Yeah. Um, I just think psychologically because you're surrounded by other artists, other creatives, you do feel like you're kind of, although I struggled with it at times, there were still people that I would go to and still feel part of like a community. Yeah. And you'd be seeing people and you'd be seeing great theatre and great comedy all the time. And then you come back to like normal life. Yeah. And that's really, and I love, and I'm a real creature of habit. So I love all that stuff of having this show mm. every day and going to certain places. And like, I love yeah. all that. I love things to, like routine. Yeah. And then to come back, it's quite like, oh yeah. Not in Edinburgh anymore. No. And, and there's something about Edinburgh that I just love because it's so small as well, and you can just walk around you can walk it anywhere. I didn't do any public transport for like no. the whole month. Why would you? Exactly. Yeah, and then you come back to London and you're like, oh yeah, it's a massive behemoth that's going to swallow you. Yeah, <laughs> and you've got to, and you've got to rely on public. You've got to rely on public yeah. transport and people to drive you places. Where I'm just talking about shows all the time. I love that. Like yeah. every every time you meet somebody, being like, what have you yeah. seen? What's yeah. good? Tell me. And everybody wants to chat about like you know art. It's really nice. So yeah, that I think that is quite problematic. Like coming the, back. The thing, the the thing that I've started to struggle with at the moment is other comics I'm friendly with who didn't go to Edinburgh coming yeah. out to me constantly asking me how how Edinburgh was because yeah. they because they want to because they're going to do it next year. Yeah. So I find myself just repeating the exact same the, the exact same thing like oh, okay. 17 out of 25 shows went well. Yeah. But it was um but it was still the best learning experience of my life. Yeah. I think you kind of with me as well. I, I just kind of keep reframing it because at yeah. first it was just really like. It was incredibly challenging, and people are like, oh, "How's your Edinburgh?" And be like, "Oh, terrible." And then you change it, and you're like, "Well, yeah. I learned a lot." Yeah. <laughs> and, and now I'm like, "Well, I've got, you know, two ideas for two more shows." And oh, so yeah. you're kind of gradually trying to find the silver lining, I guess. That's it was it. good. It was just like a lot of stuff that I had to do mm. that in other circumstances I wouldn't have had to yeah. because my show as it was didn't work in that space so I had to make it work yeah. and that was like a lot of effort really but that's what makes you that's uh, what I, I think that's, that's a good thing about Edinburgh because it does let you grow Yeah. it's an expensive lesson <laughs> a really expensive lesson yeah. But, but you know when you're a bit like I'm done with growing and developing I just oh, want to succeed now yeah. like a little bit of success right, I, was having a, I was having a conversation with um, two of the other with the other two comics I was with and we were just basically in the same page for like five like on our, our 20th show just thinking right we've learned enough now yeah and we'd we got sick of, we'd got sick of the room a little bit I can see that though yeah. I really, that room is really difficult because yeah. it seems really high ceiling oh yeah because it's like a sh- like a shed almost it is oh god yeah but, see but mine was the opposite you felt like you were in a coffin when you were seeing my show see if we had have swapped yeah <laughs> oh my god that would have actually worked really well oh don't think about it don't think about nah. it it's over now it's over now yeah. so what so you want to take a stand-up show for that you want to take a stand-up show there next year i think so okay. yeah what do you think you could potentially take what lessons could you take from doing this year's Edinburgh to next year's uh, Edinburgh? I don't know. I think really um, just the room, just double check the room and what it's actually like. Mm. 
I mean, that that was my main problem, really. Yeah. Um, if I'd have had another room in Cabaret Voltaire, it would have been um, it would have been fine. Um, and then I think a lot of people get a lot of flyers, don't they? Do you use flyers? Oh no, we did it all ourselves. Did you? But I want um, if I do it again next year, I think there's there is something to not being the face that hands you the flyer. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It was weird though because I would get people being like, because my face is on the fly, and then they'd be like, is that you? And I'm like, yeah, of course it's me. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly the same. Or, and then I had, yeah. one, I had one woman when I flyed her, and she went, oh, well, you don't look very funny. Oh. And I was like, what does a funny person look like? Exactly. And then I like took the flyer out of her hand and went, oh. I don't think you'll enjoy this show. <laughs> <laughs> Which might not have been the best way to fly someone. No, uh, my worst flying experience was, um, I don't know, my my second worst flying experience. Yeah, I've got a lot of bad ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, was I feel like that's a show. Yeah, oh yeah. Really, the flyering. <laughs> that, that is. I'm surprised someone hasn't done a that show could about. That be my show. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Fuck it. Why not? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. But my. I had. I, 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 I fly an old lady. Right. Yeah. She was with her two grandsons. Right. She okay. takes the flyer. Great. Walks a couple of steps. Yeah. Walks back to me. Okay. And says, "You're not meant to be doing this." You're not meant to be doing um, this. I said to her, yes, we are. It's perfectly fine. And she's like, no, no, no. You're meant to be going to fly a free. Edinburgh's meant to be going to fly a free this weekend. Oh, this week, and this um, this Edinburgh. And she said, that's why I'm going to Extinction Rebellion. And hands me back the flyer. Oh, God. I was like, you could have just not taken it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you've got to pick your fights in life, haven't you? Like, you're not the cause no. of the planet dying. No. I don't think, no. are you? Uh, <laughs> I'd like to think I'm not. <laughs> the amount of times I've left the lights on in my house, my maybe. mum will tell me. My mum will tell me otherwise. But <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, people are just. I don't know. Like that is. That is someone who clearly has no other control over her life. So that was something yeah. that she had the control over to do. I yes. was like, okay, fine. Do that. Make me feel shitty. That's yeah. perfectly fine. If that's what makes you feel better, do it. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? I think flying literally brings out the worst and the best in me. Like, I can either be, like, best mates with people and yeah. in love with them, or, like, be really rude and be like, well, don't come to my show. You're <laughs> not going to like it. I hate you anyway. Yeah. Like, I got a woman I flyered, and she was so nice, and, and she was like, I can't come to your show, but she said to me, but you're so lovely. Here's some money. And she gave oh, me, like, a spider, bless. And she gave me a tonic's tea cake, and now oh, we're friends on Facebook. Because I'm insane. That's... Uh, but yeah, then I got this other guy that I fly. So it was in my venue. It was like about 10 minutes before the show. And you know, and you've just got nobody in there. So you're having like a major panic. Oh, yeah. And there was this guy with his two daughters. And I thought, okay, let's just fly them. Because they're here. And I said to him, blah, blah, blah. These are my mindfulness about a woman who runs a mindfulness workshop. I said, life falls apart. It's downstairs. It's in 10 minutes. And the guy just looked at me and said, there's no downstairs here. And I was like, well, there is. Um, <laughs> and it's downstairs. And he said, there's an upstairs. I said, yes, there's an upstairs as well, but there is a downstairs, and that's where the show will be. And he said, there's not a downstairs. And I was like, well, that's... <laughs> and then I snapped, and I went, well, that's funny, isn't it? I've been downstairs for the last nine days doing my show. So I'm either insane or I'm lying. Which one do you think it is? And he still came to the show. Oh, good. <laughs> After I was incredibly rude to him. That's not... Imp- that's not r- I'm sorry, that's not rude. That's perfectly fine for you, do you to think? do that. Yeah. Oh god, and then I had a guy another time, this is quite like late in the run, 
and I was having another major panic because I'm always panicking before my show. I've joined the club. Yeah. <laughs> he was just that. He was watching me for ages. And I thought, oh, I'd better go and talk to him because it might be weird. And I went up to him and I was like, do you want to come and see the show? Because he'd obviously seen me, like, flyering everyone else. And he just stared at me and he's like, well, I'm going to be honest. I've just dropped some acid. Oh, so, my God. <laughs> yes. He was like, what do you think? Do you think I should come? And I said, no. No. Don't, don't come. But you have a nice time then. He was like, do you want some of my beer? And I was like, no, because I'm going to do a show in a minute. <laughs> so I'm going to pass on that. But I appreciate his honesty. Yeah. That could have been really bad. It could have been. He had an acid trip watching my show in the tiny little coffin room. But yeah. that, yeah, that <laughs> wouldn't have been advisable. No. Like, the amount of drugs, I didn't do any, I didn't drink no. or do any drugs in Edinburgh for like the whole month. I hardly drank, yeah. Um, but it is insane oh, how really? easy it is to get to, for it to, for, from what I've seen, like, insane for how easy it is really? to get hold of, yeah. Yeah, I was quite a square in Edinburgh. Same. But it's just easier, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and it's I just think it's cheaper. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what's going to be my biggest expense? Alcohol. Yeah. I am literally living hand to mouth this month. Yeah. I'm living off donations. I cannot afford. Yeah. To go out and get to go out and get pissed. Yeah. Like, and a lot of the time you just end up having like two or three drinks, so you're not even like yeah. getting drunk. And you're wasting like, I don't know, 20 quid or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, it's just stressful. Yeah, I didn't really drink a lot. And they hike the prices up by like 20%. Yeah, massively. And it's just nice, I think, when you don't drink and then you know what you've said to people and stuff. Because I'm yeah. already so like loud. Yeah. I don't need anything to like elevate that. I felt like the little bit, not a little, the, um, the, narcissi- the slightly narcissistic side of me, like for, aha. Uh-huh. I feel great compared to all these other comics who have clearly yeah. been out on the rats. <laughs> yeah. No, it is good though, because the worst thing, I, I did it, I think my first Edinburgh, I did like one show where I was hungover, not like massively hungover, I just felt a little bit like not myself. Yeah. And it just wasn't a good show. Yeah. And I felt so bad, so I was like, I've literally self-sabotaged myself, I can't self-sabotage myself yeah. obviously um i can't you know <laughs> stupid things like you know you can't you do can't, that you, not when you want people to like pay you money no. and do a show it's just not fair no. i just think performing in any capacity when you're hungover is it's, just the worst really thing is. yeah especially when like because i get quite like emotional hangovers as well so yeah. doing a show that is emotional it just all becomes like a big old jumbly mess so yeah, don't do that. I need, I need to pause. I need to go to the toilet. Oh, but okay. I will. And we're back. <laughs> so smooth. Ah, oh, so fucking smooth. It's fine. <laughs> Look, that's not going to get edited out, by the way. That's that's staying in. No, I love it. I love it. It's brilliant. But yeah, man. But Edinburgh, what a beast. Yeah, I rem- I went to like a networking thing, and this guy was saying um how there isn't like you don't have a fringe experience there are so many fringes because it's so big mm. so you can't think of it like that cause there's just so many things happening all the time yeah um but yeah it's very 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 tough and i think yeah if i go up again i would want to go up yeah maybe do like a, a split bill yeah or do yeah i don't know yeah whatever floats your boat yeah just figuring it out isn't it well i'm one thing i'm quite happy about is this year post edinburgh is that a lot more comics and people actually doing shows mm. or who have done shows are actually being a bit more honest about how okay. they show how they actually went because up until well when I when I spoke to people about it last year because I admit I hadn't done it like, yeah. at that point um, they kept on saying how great it was how great of an experience but now they say now a lot of people are saying well do you know what 
this went this went a bit wrong. Yeah. This didn't go as, as I planned. But I've learned a but I've learned a lot. Yeah. I went to um, see a friend's show. I didn't actually realise it was his show. <laughs> but I went to see his show, which is like a, a, a split bill. Who was it? Uh, Shout out. Simon Kane. Simon Kane. Yeah. Yes. He's great. He's really. I only really. So I met him in Barnstable this year, and then I saw him quite a few times in Edinburgh, and he was really nice. Um, yeah. He was really funny, and he was just like doing crowd work and asking how many performers there were. And he was like, oh, I know you catered from Barnstable kind of thing. And then he's like, how's your show going? And I was like, terrible. And he was, was like, like yeah. oh, okay, appreciate your honesty. So <laughs> I kind of told him why it was going badly. And I realised that that's not normal, to actually be honest. It's not. But I'm like, what else am I going to do? It's not normal, but it's sort of becoming normal. And yeah. That's, that's good. What I'm quite, that's what I'm quite happy about. Yeah. Like, there's the mask, the mask is kind of dropping. Yeah. In inverted commas. Because, end of the day, if we're not being honest, then what's the point? Yeah, and you've got to be honest with yourself when it's not working, because otherwise yeah. you can't you can't fix it. Because I had the first show I did, I had a reviewer in, and the review was just not good. Uh, it was before I'd like tweet the show. Yeah. But some of the things he said actually were helpful, um, yeah. and in retrospect, the review could have been a lot worse. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I got really upset about it, but then yeah. I was like, you have to acknowledge what's not working, so otherwise you'll never fix it. And I'd rather fix it and do some really good shows mm-hmm. rather than being in denial and doing like loads of terrible yeah. shows. Snap, because <laughs> that. Sorry, we're closing in ten. That's fine, no worries. <laughs> that's exactly. That's almost exactly what happened with oh, us really? as well. We had a review. We had two reviewers in from Ed French. Right. Um, on our fourth on our fourth show right okay and again not kind not yeah. kind to us at all but I learned from those reviews yeah I was like okay why is this affecting me so much ah because some of it is true yeah not all of it but some of it is true and so you learn yeah but you learn to take criticism and like mm. okay when it's constructive you can build from it yeah I think it's good if you know deep down what you've got is good yeah. and you are talented if you can yeah. hold on to that and go but for some reason at the moment it's not coming across Yeah. so I need to change it but you've got to have that foundation because when you don't feel like you are talented that's yeah. when I think a review can completely knock you and you'll be like oh god I'm yeah. terrible I'm in my yeah. oh yeah so yeah you've got to know that deep down yeah you are talented but you just it's not working yeah that's well, it you've just got to try harder and figure it out mm. speaking of figuring things out yeah crazy ex-girlfriend yeah so I love this show I was like re-watching it actually like about a week ago mm. I've watched so much of it um, I just love it I just think it's really funny and brilliant and clever and especially the way it approaches like mental health yeah um, I don't know how far through I'm literally on the second episode of the first season oh well okay. uh, uh, there's a reason for that and I'll get into and I'll get into that in a second and I'll get into that in a second but carry on yeah so, it's, so there's like quite a reveal in like the third series yeah. about um so the main character Rebecca's gets, mental health yeah yeah she gets like a, a diagnosis essentially and I just think the way it's dealt with and the way um that all the characters deal with really quite big issues is really good mm. and I love like the central French female friendships in it yeah I think they're really um really relatable and yeah. all the songs are just really funny oh yeah I just love it I think it's a great show um, I watched the first episode 
in 2015 or 16 okay, when, it, when yeah. it first when it first came yeah. out right and there was a massive hype around it and I was like oh, okay. oh great this is going to be amazing this is going to be a really game changing show and I was like I watched it I was like ah yeah because that pilot that first show is a bit like I took a little while I think I watched like the first 10 minutes of it about three times and I couldn't quite get it yeah. and I was like mm, not feeling it and then I persevered and then suddenly like it just clicked and I was like oh my god I just what? I love it I literally remembered this is the sitcom we were going to be talking about and I was like yeah. today and I was like okay I've got to watch the second episode <laughs> I am now really into the show yeah because so good. all right um i think that i think it was overhyped when it first came out yeah but now that the house kind of died down i'm now looking at it and the writing is but the writing is great oh, the, the characters are yeah the characters are flawed yeah oh god yeah, yeah they're all flawed massively and it's kind of progressive because yeah. they you never you never ever see an asian uh, um an East Asian character as the as attractive a, one. As the romantic lead. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what they set out to do actually when they um when they cast it is to is to do that because it's just so unusual. Um, but yeah, I like it and I think that it's similar in a way to like Brooklyn Nine Nine and like yeah. in terms of like just diversity and just trying that bit harder to not do those awful tropes. Yeah. And again with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, it looks at those tropes and examines them and breaks them down. Um, and just the whole central idea that she goes to like. West Covina yeah. for a guy that she used to go out with. <laughs> and she, she was 16, yeah. Yeah, it's just brilliant. And that she's a lawyer as well, and and she's so like, kind of book smart if and, you like, and, and clueless about life. And from what I've gathered about the show, it doesn't hate the female characters. No, no, it's um, but like you say, they are very flawed. They're just like, well, not sure. If, yeah, like I said, they are like they're like real sitcom characters. Like not like real women. Yeah. in some senses because a lot of it's like heightened and melodramatic but the kind of central friendship with um, Paula and, and Rebecca is just it's just beautiful because it's so like there's a bit when um, Rebecca's in hospital and the doctor uh, so Paula says oh it's fine she'll be, she'll be sleeping with me in mm. my bed and he's like oh do you two live together <laughs> she's like no and then she says to him oh sorry have you not had a best friend before I feel bad for you and it's just that that kind of thing that you get with female friendships when you just do anything for your best friend mm. although they do lots of t- terrible things yeah. for each other but I find that just very genuine and it's yeah. just it's lovely and it's just so funny and and the songs and the songs, the songs are like I don't want to say Book of Mormon level, Book of Mormon level comedy, but it's they're really sharp. Yeah, they're really good. Mind you, Book of Mormon I saw recently, and it's doesn't age too well. Does Some of the not? references, ah. yeah, they're quite problematic, a little bit homophobic, and uh, a few things like that. But uh, yeah, no, what? Yeah, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and the songs are just so like they feel like they're almost improvised because mm-hmm. they're so like just. No, they feel so relaxed and it's just so natural the way they just break into song yeah yeah, yeah. What, i think that's what i found a bit jarring about the pilot because it felt like the songs were a little bit crowbarred in yes however <laughs> after watching the second episode i'm hoping it continues on after like this yeah throughout the rest of the series but it just looks to me a little bit more like not a lot more natural like she's yeah. literally just going into the she's literally going into these sort of trances just naturally yeah. instead of having a song about love crowbar in because she likes the sky yeah no it does become a bit more um, natural the way they transition 
but no it's just I love it I think it's just a really because I realised um, thinking about sitcoms I don't actually watch that many sitcoms because if it isn't on Netflix you're like well I don't I don't watch it mm. how else do you watch things but, anymore but Netflix is getting all the sitcoms now like, yeah. it's getting Seinfeld in a couple of years and I'm like oh how my god it, I love Seinfeld how did Amazon like that one go I mean come yeah. on yeah no, Seinfeld's great Seinfeld's amazing alright so Katie where can they find you? Oh, uh, so I guess on my Instagram, my Twitter. I haven't got any performances at the moment. Okay. I'm sure I will soon. So I'm just at Katie with an I-E, Jane McLeod. Yeah. M-C-L-E-O-D. <laughs> <laughs> not McLeod, do not, not Mc- make that mistake. <laughs> yeah, made once, never again. <laughs> yeah, she will give you a look which makes you think that she's just thrown up in her mouth. Don't yeah, that's do the it. problem with me. My face is like the most readable thing. That's ever. well, that's great. That's what will make you a good. Well, part of what will make you a good stand-up. Oh, right. I hope so. That dog agrees. Yeah, anyways. the dog agrees. There yeah. We go. All right. So it's been great talking it's to you, man. Lovely. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you to Katie and thank you to you guys for listening. As always, you can catch me on Instagram. Twitter at Kyle Wolf Comedy.